welcome to Starry Sky and Richie Things, your go-to resource for all things star magic in the Western esoteric tradition. I'm Alexis and today is the quick energetic check-in between the new moon in Aquarius at 10.15.8pm tonight and the full moon in Virgo on February 24th at 12.30pm, both UK time. We now have an Aquarius stellium, with Venus in a shrine with Aquarius's ruler Uranus and no planet past Taurus, which is where Uranus is. We have some of the asteroids, if you work with those, but as far as the heavy eaters, the energy is concentrated in the signs that have to do with our role in the grand scheme of things. Mars is in the last degrees of Capricorn, preparing to enter Aquarius on the 13th, followed by Venus on the 16th. And the Sun will then move into Pisces on the 19th, followed by Mercury on the 23rd. So the full moon in Virgo will then be the next day at 5 degrees, which is a little degree if you work with degree theory in your astrology. So in the period between these two lunations, we will be mostly seeing aspects within Aquarius itself, except for Venus in a set style with Neptune while still in Capricorn on the 13th. So the most activity will be with Taurus actually. So we're looking at squares, which are known as hard aspects, technically, but I tend to subscribe to the view that it isn't black and white. While certainly there's a tension between the A vibes of collectivist Aquarius and the liminal waters of Pisces, where the division between collective and individual goes to die, in this like, realization that ultimately we're all fragments of the same whole but it doesn't have to be a difficult relationship. A narrow cannot be shot without tension in the bow. Likewise, a lot of growth in the birth chart can be found in balancing the different approaches of different signs and planets as they interact on an energetic level. With an Aquarius stellium, for the majority of the month, the focus will shift towards whatever in your personal chart falls under that sign. So in a way it can overpower the tendency of Taurus to ground us, which can be a good thing if you have a tendency to never look at things with the bird's eye view. And especially with Pluto now in Aquarius for a few months before returning retrograde to the anaretic degree of Capricorn and tying the final loose ends that we have from the previous decades, we're seeing these impetus to look at things that we don't usually want to look at and we're kind of like getting glimpses of our higher self shown to us to illuminate what needs to go and what needs to come in for these visions we have to actualize. Conversely, if your tendency is to live too much in the vision and not enough in the action, the presence of Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus can provide you with the grandness needed to bring those visions into the material plane for the good of the collective. And then Saturn will still be in Pisces for a few months, also bringing this energy of balance and discernment between illusion and vision, which is a very fine line. Another transit to look at for the personal energetics is the conjunction between the North Node and Chiron in Aries, which will be exact over the 18th and 19th of February. And their energies are already at play at the time of the new moon and a few days ahead as the conjunction approaches. But once again, it's bringing up these themes of finding the courage to follow your own path and step into your authenticity. 
And February 2024 is a key month for everyone, since all of these planets entering Aquarius will transit Pluto, which is the planet of transformation. Mercury just did that a couple of days ago when it entered on the 5th. And of course, this will be the case for a while still, because in the next 20 years-ish, we will see everything transiting Aquarius to transit Pluto at some point on the later degrees. It's just a major thing now because it's the anoretic degree, so it's zero degree of Aquarius. Like the new potential, this potential for big shifts and life-changing situations if you are willing to face the things that are hard to face and then integrate them and go after what matters to you. And everyone and their dog is talking about how this new moon is one around authenticity. So it's not very surprising that I pulled the seven of swords reversed for the collective reading for these two weeks. And it's interesting to me since we are, sorry about that, um, entering, um, so we're entering Pisces season which has the theme of walking the line between delusion and genius at the best of times. But with Pluto and Aquarius and Neptune and Saturn in Pisces, it's not exactly subtle. So the Seven of Swords is a card that I tend to struggle with a fair amount, not because I don't get the meaning, but because it usually turns up for me in placements in a spread that makes no sense with the traditional meanings of the card. So if I had to name three cards that I have studied in depth, that's one. And the seven in the Kabbalah corresponds to victory. So all the cards by this number in the tarot have a vibe of energetic reset and growth against the defensiveness and ego battles playing out in different ways. It's because obviously different suits. It's the energy of the chariot in the major arcana, which can be the horses going off kilter, dragging charioteer along for a crazy ride, or the charioteer falling control of the animals, even if they have the impulse to go in opposing directions, which can lead to stuckness too. So there's like different ways in which the chariot itself plays out. And the seven now in the minors being the suit of swords, which is about our mind, there's this specific realm in which the energetics play out. If you're familiar with the game Ikemen Prince, I call this card an octo card for a reason. Because it's traditionally a card of a dirty victory, of subterfuge, and it's warning us that things always come at a cost. And reversed especially for me, it asks us whether the cost is at our own expense and where that is. Where do we get in our own way? So it's obviously since it's swords, it's mostly likely areas in our, um, in our lives where we have an unresourceful thought partner pattern. I can't even speak today. If you set intentions on a new moon, which is also like the lunar new year, these thought patterns can get in the way of the manifestation showing up for us as we journey towards the full moon. And of course, if you set big intentions rather than a small one that go cycle by cycle, that's still valid because it's still something that may block your energy. But I don't like to use the language of blocks, to be honest. And if you missed it, I talked about it in a recent episode about rethinking healing. But it's true of me that I'm often my biggest enemy and I'm sure it's true for most of us because that's just how our society is. But you matter and your dreams matter. 
So I hope you take up the invitation from this card. And I'll be back in your years on Thursday. In the meantime, please share this podcast with anyone you know who will love it. or And leave a five-star rating and review if you think we deserve it. On Apple or Spotify, if you don't have anyone specific in mind. Or if you think we should get it anyway. Because that helps the algorithm show us to more people looking for witchcraft podcasts. And if you want to support my work, there's a tip jar and some affiliate links in the show notes. But really, from the bottom of my heart, I'm just thankful that you press play and hang out with me every week. So I'm sending lots of love, and until next time, keep living in wonder. Mm-hmm.